Let's do this. Welcome to episode 130 of In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. My name is Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, The Real Will, and our guy, Isaiah Bermuse, as we are here today bringing you the most fascinating, the most interesting, and the most polarizing topics in all of sports. And on today, this Monday, uh, we are here after a full week of football. Every team in the NFL was in action during the preseason, and we are going to talk about as much as we can today. So many storylines, so many things to talk about, and there are just some things that as time goes on and as we move deeper and deeper into the summer, probably my favorite time of year, there are these feelings that come in the air that let you know that football is on the horizon, that football is around the corner, whether it is hard knock starting, whether it is watching preseason games for the first time in two years, football is around the horizon. And on In the Huddle, you already know we're talking about it today and giving you guys the best analysis we can. So I'm not doing this show alone. Before we start things off, I want to introduce to you guys my co-host, The Real Lil, my guy. I hope your weekend was good. How are we doing on this Monday? Anytime I got some football to watch, my weekend is pretty solid, you know? And it's almost like in the summertime, the summertime is known for the, the barbecue season. That's what it's called, the barbecue season. Barbecue alert, b- b- barbecue alert, right? And you can smell a barbecue from a mile away. But as we itch closer to football, y'all smell that? Oh, I smell me some football, and I can't wait to talk about the preseason that just took place over the weekend. I'm ready to get this show on the road. Zay, what's going on? Hey, man, it was an interesting weekend, man. You know, I'm a guy who loves old sports. I'm a guy who, who likes to be interested in right now, a lot of different uh, entertainment sports-wise. It was just a lot going on this weekend, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it today because this is a very interesting show coming on today. So, with that being said, let's get right to it, and let's jump right into the football from over the weekend as uh, the preseason week one just wrapped up. And one thing about this preseason, preseason, I know both you guys hinted at it uh, in your opening uh, statements, is that we have some buzz for this preseason. And one of the main reasons why is because we see a lot of young quarterbacks on the field for the first time. It's easy for us to forget, guys, that last year during the pandemic season, there was no preseason football. So we didn't see these rookies on the field until week one and the games actually counted but it was cool to sit down during august on a saturday and watching so many different teams in action and one of the main reasons once again why this saturday and this weekend in particular were so fascinating was because we saw trevor lawrence justin fields zach wilson trey lance mac jones even jordan love on the field for the first time and that brings up this question which rookie qb uh debut stood out the most in preseason week one and why? And I'm actually going to start this one off, guys. And I think uh, the answer for me has to be Justin Fields. And when I watched this kid, I kind of had a light bulb moment. It came to me that, like, I don't think we've ever seen a quarterback since we started watching football have the attributes that this kid has had. He's like 6'4". He's really fast. He runs a 4.5 uh combine 40 like that's faster than probably most people on the bears faster than most quarterbacks in the nfl he's played in big time bowl games in college and he has a cannon arm and some way they were teams that passed on him i know trevor lawrence was the obvious pick i understand trey lance zach wilson like they both looked really good but i have not yet seen a quarterback prospect with this kid's attributes like fall in the draft and I think if you're a Chicago Bears fan you have to be really excited from what you saw I totally understand it's the preseason it's hard to put a a bunch of emphasis in a game but at the same time it seemed to me that this kid was built for the modern day NFL game and I feel like 
I'm someone that has been on the show on the last couple of weeks and have said, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, one youngster and one veteran, and it is clear that youngster has better physical attributes, he has a bigger arm, he's, you know, more athletic, like start the kid, take your lumps and see if you can swim in the deep end. Now, I think there are some instances where if you have that situation, yeah, you play the veteran. When you look at Dwayne Haskins, his first year with Washington, it was clear that Jay Gruden wasn't going to be the head coach there in the future, and they still stuck Dwayne Haskins out there anyway, and it really altered, I think, his development, and now he's a third-string quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers that quickly in the span of two or three years. What stood out to me about Justin Fields was that when Matt Nagy put him in the game with Bears' second stringers, mostly the Bears' second string offensive line, this kid looked ready, he didn't panic, and he looked like he belonged. And I think if you're a Chicago Bear fan, you haven't had a 4,000-yard passer in the history of your franchise. This city is desperate for a quarterback, and I think they may have just found one in Justin Fields. Yeah, I agree 100%. Listen, this is a guy that I endorse like a politician. I'm the one that said that this brother was going to be the best quarterback out the draft. And it's crazy how, you know, the hypeness is in the NFL when it comes to a guy like Trevor Lawrence who undoubtedly is going to be a talented guy in this league for years to come. But I saw something in Justin Fields that stood out. You know, and it, maybe it's me, the quarterback guru, Lil Shadamas again in the full effect. But that's the guy who I said was going to be the best quarterback out this drive class when everybody was picking Lawrence, you know. And it's crazy because he fell. He fell. A lot of teams could have picked him up that needed quarterbacks and they decided to pass on him. And I think they're going to regret it. But look, yesterday, I would say he started off slow. You know, I think he had a fumble. There was some plays. I think it was like three drives that were three and outs. And I was just, you know, thinking that he was nervous. He had to shake off the cobwebs. You know, maybe the field was a little bit too warm for him. But once he got settled in, right? Once he got settled in, you saw the difference. He made the plays. He brought the Bears offense life in ways Andy Dalton didn't in those first two drives that Andy Dalton had. He was able to use his athleticism and his ability to make all the throws on the football field to his advantage, excuse me. So I'm going into the season, I'm saying to myself, look, if Justin Fields brings you another dynamic to that offense, right? When you talk about being able to roll out and he could be, his biggest tool could be his biggest fool to the defenders, which is running the football because if he's running for that first down and you think he's running for that first down, he can throw it anywhere in the football field, which can give the guys, the wide receivers, an ability to get open on rocks and create that separation. So at the end of the day, I just think that, you know, he had a nice couple passes. He had a nice pass to Rodney Adams. I mean, just the throws that he made, you know, uh, on the football field, the back shoulder pass that he had, it was just a great sight to see. It's another energy with Chicago right now that wasn't there before. And I always thought Chicago had a good team. I thought their defense was wasted the last couple of years. And a lot of people, I know Zach told me, like, maybe the Bears defense isn't as good as advertised um, last season. But I would say to that, it's just that the offense couldn't stay on the football field because you didn't have no quarterback. And we all know at the end of the day, the other side of the ball has to hold the end of the bargain. And I think if you start Justin Fields, the Bears offense will be able to hold on to the end of the bargain and do something for sure. Um, I agree with both of you with Justin Fields having the most impressive uh, week one well, out of all those rookie QBs. You know, he showcased a lot of the attributes that were, well, like you said, that were marketed by many different um, analysts saying he was a very talented quarterback. A lot of the issues that people said about Justin Fields was stuff that had nothing to do with the football field. You know, it was always some quote-unquote character issues or some 
something that no one else is privy to, but apparently they know like they're like the back of their hand for whatever reason. This guy's a talented football player and he's um <coughs> excuse me, he should be the starting QB for the Chicago Bears. I'm not an Andy Dalton fan, I'm sorry. Since he even since the Cincinnati Bengals, but it was losing all those first round playoffs and he was Andy Dalton was sticking it up over there. I just thought I was never a Dalton fan. I just wasn't my I, I didn't know. It just the way he played the game didn't look like he was a confident quarterback when the lights was bright. It seemed like he kind of just shielded away. He was kind of deferring. He didn't really know how to exactly, you know, pick, like up, uplift his team to a point where they could continue winning in the fashion that the Bengals should have been winning. You know, they, there's a lot of playoff series they should have won, but Dalton didn't play well in that single series and they want, you know, evidently lost. But I, I mean, I, I just hope Nagy knows what he's doing because Fields definitely deserved the star spot. He had a great, um, First game, of course, you know, of course, preseason is not about the numbers. It's not really about the numbers per se. It's about the attributes you showcase, what you what you can bring to the table. So you saw that he has um, good speed. You saw that he has a good arm. He could read the field well. He wasn't like tossing the ball turnovers wise. He, he was doing extremely well out of all the rookie quarterbacks. I think his time should come closer to starting and Nagy should start to really think, okay, could this kid really be the starter at week one? Or should we just hold off and let Dalton kind of do what he does, you know, because the Bears got talent on that offense and the Bears could actually make noise if Fields is the starting quarterback and they could win a lot of games. And I don't know if Dalton is the guy to bring in if they want to win a lot of games. Um, but besides Justin Fields, I think Mac Jones is another person to look at as well because according to reports, he's actually closer to starting QB than reported. Like according to like what I saw USA Today and other um Articles they saying that Mac Jones is actually impressing Bill Belichick a lot, and if you're, you know, he 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 could actually start to look at Mac Jones and say he could possibly start over Cam Newton in Week One if he continues to like kind of make the right reads, because that's really what the Bill Belichick offense is making the right reads and making the right plays. So I'm assuming that Mac Jones made all the right reads during that game to impress Bill Belichick enough to say, okay, this kid's actually showed me something. Let me take a closer look. And I told Zach again, once again, another little Shadamas moment. I said that that battle was closer than what Zach was giving it credit for. And I and I said it. I said, Bill Belichick is not going to hand you a job. If you know Bill Belichick for over two decades, like I know Bill Belichick, not personally, but what I see on the football field, he's not going to hand you a job because of your name status or because of what you've done in the past. He holds everybody to the same standard. And they have to go through the Patriot way and show Bill Belichick that I can be out there on the football field and I can lead and command this offense. And if Mac Jones is that guy, I'm pretty sure he will be starting week one. So I just want to say this. I'm passing the rock over to Zach again for his second take. But I think in general, when it comes to these quarterbacks like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones, listen, I have no problem. If these guys are showing you, right, that they can play. I know what I said about Jimmy Garoppolo. I still think he's disrespected. But I saw Trey Lance in that preseason game, even though he had some ups and downs, it wasn't perfect, but I definitely seen the flashes of why people was hyped with him. Maybe living in an era right now where maybe the rookies are going to start. Maybe it's the best route to start these rookies week one in this current time in the NFL. Yeah, so a couple things I wanted to say uh, with the Bears once again, like if Matt, the thing about Andy Dalton, like which is crazy, is like I don't, I think he's an above average backup. Like I do think if the Bears like put him in week one, I don't think they're gonna be terrible. Like I think they could win eight games. But the thing is, if you're the Bears, like 
what does winning eight games get you? You are once again a franchise that has never had a 4,000 yard passer. Like besides the Packers, the NFC North isn't that good of a division. Like I'm not gonna lie, I'm if Fields plays like and he starts week one, like I would consider picking the Bears as a possible wild card team. Like it showed to me that uh, Justin Fields, he can make plays and he just looked ready to me. But I think that's what Matt Nagy needs to determine. Like I think on one hand, I think having in the back of his mind, his job possibly being on the line. I wonder if that's going to make an impact also, because let's say he starts Andy Dalton right away, right? And they start off the season two and four, and everyone's like, oh, like, what's going on with the Bears? Like, Matt Nagy's a lock to get fired after the season, and then he brings in Justin Fields and makes Justin Fields look like the reason why the Bears are all of a sudden winning football games. Like, does that determine his job? Like, there have been teams, like, when Deshaun Watson came into the league, you know the Texans started Tom Savage over him on opening day? We saw it last year with the Los Angeles Chargers, bro. Like, I remember their, their week one game against the Bengals. I'm watching, I'm like, Tyrod Taylor isn't an NFL starting quarterback. Like, what are we doing here? And then Justin Herbert comes in and only throws, what, 35 touchdowns, 10 picks, and becomes the offensive rookie of the year? Like, it's just, to me, I agree. It The, tr the times are trending towards it being never easier to play quarterback in the NFL. A lot of people will complain about the rules and how football isn't really the same game as it used to be. And that's a big reason why quarterbacks are playing into their 40s. And I think it affects the younger quarterbacks as well. If they're ready to go, like last year we saw Joe Burrow and other rookie quarterbacks, like not even play a preseason and be ready to go. Like, I think that when you look at a competition like this, it's clear that Justin Fields is just better and it's not much to it. And when it comes to the Niners, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, I agree 100%. Like Trey Lance in practice is just the better quarterback. He's taller. He's bigger. He's more athletic. He has the stronger arm. And I think that 49ers offense with him under center, could their ceiling is Super Bowl champions. Like I really believe that. Like they're going to be really good with him under center. Um, a couple other points I wanted to make. Like I will see what happens with Mac Jones. I think he's going to be the Patriots quarterback by week three, week four at the earliest. I would still be kind of surprised if he started, but look, he's really impressed me. And I'd be curious to see if Cam Newton does get benched, does the, does New England move on? He's never really been a backup quarterback in his career. I just want to say with the Trey Lance uh, <clears throat> thing that uh, I think Zach is right. You know, I think that Trey Lance does have a lot of like attributes, the arm. Like you, when you look at the eye test, you see that Trey Lance does possess a lot of talents that a quarter you would like to see in a quarterback. I just think that, um, well, that first game, like, like I said, the preseason stats doesn't really mean much, but like, um, like QB vision a little bit, you know, like he was five for 14. So like, it wasn't the most accurate quarterback out there, but then it, it possibly could have been receivers weren't catching a ball. And that's, that's been the case for a lot of quarterbacks recently too. The receivers haven't been catching a ball. You know, you can look at a guy like Evan Ingram who dropped a lot of easy passes. And that's just kind of how possibly could have happened in that first game on uh, in preseason. So I mean, um, it's kind of like the mo the thing you want to see the most out of these quarterbacks is the vision. Are they seeing the right? Are they making the right reads? Are they looking at? They're seeing how the defense is playing them, and are they making the correct passes to the right receivers at the right time? That's kind of really where you want to see vision and timing. It's like it's out. It's like off the stat line, really. But like even if the receiver misses the ball, and uh, they made the right read and the right play, the coach will be happy with that because of they made the right play. They made the right you know in the sense where they're reading the field correctly. So, I mean, um, if Trey Lance, like like Zach said, if Trey Lance is doing all the correct things and stuff, you want a guy like Trey Lance to take those risks and make those plays because the guy like Jimmy G doesn't really make take those risks and make those plays. He kind of makes the safe plays and, you know, in a sense like that. I, I would say this. The, the 49ers situation is different from every other team that we just talked about with their quarterbacks. Like I said before, I did like what I saw from Trey Lance. So, I'm not going to sit here 
if they if they decide to go with Trey Lance, Lil's not gonna get up in the show and say they made a mistake by starting Trey Lance. I'm not gonna say that. That's who they felt was the guy that commanded the offense better. So that's the guy who should be starting. But I feel like, me personally, I'm not gonna put too much stock in that game. But I'm gonna sit here and say they they situation is different because they got a quarterback that got them got them to the Super Bowl. And a lot of people say, well, that's the same quarterback that lost in the Super Bowl. But when you think about Kyle Shanahan's play call, nobody came out and talked about that. Nobody came out and talked about how they had a 10-point lead in that Super Bowl and they started to pass the ball instead of running the football, something that they did best in the playoffs. They didn't run the football to run out that clock. They decided to pass the football. And obviously, you put the hands of Jimmy G, missed a couple of throws, he lost that game, but the play calling could have been better. So I think in a situation where Jimmy G, let's see how Jimmy G looks. I want to see Jimmy G on the floor as well. I don't know if he's going to play in the next preseason game, but I want to see how he looks. Does he still command the offense well? And if he does, then it's going to be up to Kyle Shanahan to say, listen, which quarterback could I, you know, trust? And if it's Trey Lance, you throw him out there. If you feel like you can throw Jimmy G in there and he can win you some games with his experience and you can ease Trey Lance in the game, you do that because your situation is different from a bad situation where Matt Nagy's job is on the line and they haven't had that productive quarterback for years to come. Your situation is different from the Patriots who Cam Newton is an unproven commodity at this point right now. We know what he did to, to get to the Super Bowl, but we don't know what he did after that. Nothing. So the 49ers situation is different because Jimmy G issue is not productivity. It's health-wise. Can he stay healthy? So that's what I'm going to say with that. Yeah, I mean, once again, I think the 49ers, for me at least, are one of the two or three most interesting teams in the league. I know we spoke a little bit about the Patriots last week and the Cowboys. I'd probably throw those two teams into that category. But I think with San Francisco, like, it's so fascinating because I think their roster around the quarterback position is really good. Like, I think it's super talented, and their head coach and their play calling has a lot to do with that. Um, for me, it's just going to be interesting to see, like, if they do start Jimmy Garoppolo, I know they start off the season with a pretty easy schedule. They go to Detroit and to Philly. Those should be two wins. Would, when would they be willing to pull the plug if it's kind of similar to that Super Bowl run? If, like, Garoppolo plays the first five weeks, they start out 4-1, and one, but he's not doing anything spectacular. Like, I just think... If you want to start Jimmy G week one, fine. If you really think that's the best option. But I just know long term for this season, like the 49ers goal should be to win a Super Bowl. And I know it's crazy to say this with a rookie quarterback and the preseason, like obviously like it's hard to really put that much stock into it. That he made one good throw. Like I get it. Everything I've heard coming out of 49er practice though, is that if you watch these two guys throw, you watch them play. Like one just stands out. And, and for me, it's hard to go against that. You know, I, I would say this too. And I get where you're coming from, Zach. And, you know, we're not going to really get into the debate we had the last time because it's it's a mutual understanding that we both feel that who should start is whoever commands the offense better. But at, at the same time, when I, look, when I look at a rookie in Trey Lance and I look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance is obviously, I think, the more just standout quarterback. He makes the those that eye pops, right? But I don't think him being a rookie with the experience he doesn't have is going to make them a much better Super Bowl team than with Jimmy G, who got them to the Super Bowl, that knows what it is to play against superior teams. I think it's around the same. It's just more quarterback. It's just the other quarterback is kind of going to make it fun in the process of winning games and make it more eye-popping and get your popcorn and sell more tickets probably, right? So if you want to go from a marketing standpoint, then Trey Lance, along with, you know, making those throws, 
eye. That's the way to go for marketing and, you know, just a better feel for your offense, right? So, but I don't think on a grand scheme of things, it makes a bigger difference. I still think this, this team all around, you know, 53 man is one of the best teams there is in the NFL right now, regardless of who the quarterback is. But um, I just want to get back to Justin Fields real quick, quickly here, because I think Justin Fields is getting a valuable lesson each day. Let's not forget, this guy is going up against the Chicago Bears defense. One of the best defenses in the NFL week day to day in practice. So he got, he's getting that experience. So now that when he goes up against other teams that may not have the same defense as the Bears, it may seem easier to him. Even he came out and said that the game is slowing down for me. I don't like him coming out with that because Tua said that same thing last year. And we all know what happened with Tua. He had to get plugged out of the game. So I will hold on that. But at the same time, he is getting that valuable experience. And it's all a, it all depends on where you drafted. That's going to determine a lot about your success. Yeah. I think that was the point. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to make one point because I actually want to ask you a question. That's another valuable point with like um, when we talk about Matt Nagy a lot of times during the show. I, was, I actually wanted to ask you with because um, <clears throat> the defense is so well. Are we um, going to hold Matt Nagy in contempt of botching a quarterback play if he decides to play Andy Dawn the entire season, let's say, and it don't do as well? Do we say, okay, Matt Nagy, it's time for you to go despite that defense being so stout? Well, here's the thing. I think that has no chance of happening like if Andy Dalton is their quarterback and even if they're winning games and he's not playing well like Fields is eventually going to play this season like I don't think there's any doubt about that but I will say like Matt Nagy I get it like it's kind of in a similar way to the Bears defense what Lil was talking about like you it's been hard to watch the Bears over the last couple of years especially the last two and be like oh wow like Matt Nagy's this great coach but like he did get to the playoffs twice with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback so I, I don't think he's like some bump like I think given the proper talent like he knows how to create plays, and, and, like, he's not a horrendously bad football mind. Like, I think he's an okay head coach. It's just that he needs to prove it, and I think doing that probably with Justin Fields gives him the best opportunity to win as many games as possible. Obviously, once again, after – like, he botched the Bears quarterback situation last year. Like, I know that's crazy to sound, but it was clear to me the Bears somehow were a better team and won more football games with Mitch Trubisky under center than Nick Foles, and – you know that the Bears made the playoffs somehow, some way. They could have been maybe even better last year uh, with the winner two more if he didn't completely botch that situation. So I just think that it's a big season for this guy, and the sooner he realizes that Justin Fields most likely is going to be the player that puts the Bears in the best position to win. And once again, I can't emphasis emphasis emphasize this enough. Like the Bears' offensive line is a weakness. Like it's not good. And if you put Andy Dalton under center, that guy is going to get killed. You need a quarterback that can move and that is athletic and could make plays like Justin Fields under center. And the sooner Matt uh, Nagy realizes that, the better the Bears are going to be. That's one of the unsung points here that, you know, we've been into everything. We dived into theories and this and that, but Zach just literally laid out one of the obvious points that we didn't mention, which is the offensive line. If you know you don't have the most, you know, well-rounded, offensive line maybe you do want that mobile quarterback to create because that's going to bodies receivers time to get open at the end of the day so yeah that's why you sitting pretty if you should there's the bears just brought in jason peters like doesn't that tell you all you need to know like jason peters has been washed on the eagles for it seems like the past four years like what are we doing here so We'll see what happens. A couple of uh, last thoughts. I wanted to give props to my guy, Zach Wilson. He made two really good throws. My first time watching him on the TV, it looked like coming out of his hands. The ball was just flying. And once again, I'll, I'll say this, like even without Elijah Moore, like the Jets have a much improved wide receiver room. Like you see Denzel Mims playing 
in the fourth quarter with the third team members and absolutely cooking him. I know he was coming off some uh, food poisoning in the offseason, uh, so he's been on a little bit of a late start. But I think with him and Corey Davis and Keelan Cole and hopefully uh, a healthy Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder obviously in the mix, along with the young running back from North Carolina, Michael Carter, I do think the Jets and Zach Wilson, they already are in a better position at any time now at any time uh during the sam donald era so it was fun to watch my guy zach out there obviously i have my realistic expectations as a jet fan to play in one of the hardest divisions in football i just want to see some progress from this kid and this team and this culture and i think after uh, week one of the preseason we're off to a good start with that absolutely i agree um i could get into zach wilson another time but i just end here with him i thought he made the right throws i thought that he showed command of the offense and he looked like a, a surgeon out there. He can make the throws, man. And he did a lot. It looked different from Sam Donald. You know, Sam Donald occasionally will have a big play and you will say, oh, that's the guy that we thought we drafted. But the turnovers and all that. With Zach Wilson, you just felt a different energy. You felt like this guy can make the throws. And you felt that there's hope as a Jets fan. If you are a Jets fan, Zach, I know you are the Jets fan. Um, say, I, know, I think you're a Jets fan as well. So there's hope with Zach Wilson there. It's just about getting these guys healthy. You know, getting more reps and letting him make his mistakes because he will make some mistakes because he's a rookie. He will. But um, it's positive energy over there in the middle lands. Yeah, there was already some talks. Oh, this kid had a bad scrimmage. Oh, this kid had a bad practice. Shut up, bro. He's What do you expect to happen in practice? He's a rookie. You're, as he said in his interview, you're supposed to take risks in practice. It's how you learn the game. If you throw a pick in practice, you think, okay, in the game, that's not going to work. And that's hard sometimes for a college player coming right into the NFL. They think that they can make these impossible throws, and next thing you know, they have two interceptions in his first game like it's good to take those chances in practice and uh i think he looks fine on, on saturday night i really do i'm happy he's taking a risk though honestly that's that's like he said it the best that's what you learned i'm glad he's taking those risks because that's a, that's what kind of quarterback the jets need you know guys who take risks you know it's high risk high, high risk high reward sometimes it, bad plays happen but sometimes great plays happen and that's kind of the things you need especially as a jets fan <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy i'm happy to see that We'll be moving on to the next segment of today's show as we will be staying in the NFL as there was one team that all of us got to watch in action. It was the only game going on uh, Saturday after the Bears-Dolphins game at 4 o'clock. Denver Broncos, they had a really impressive preseason showing, uh, blowing out the Minnesota Vikings. Both, I thought they both played very well. Um, kind of validated what I've been saying all camp, that they're even Steven. And I uh, thought Drew played well. Uh, but it was they both were helped by the good play of our overall offense. We ran the ball well early. That sets up the play action game, you know, and then we run a good play pass and KJ gets behind the defense. Drew made a, Drew made a good throw. Um, and then Teddy got gets in there and he moved the team very well also. So I don't think any separation happened today in this game if anybody's looking for it. And that led us to have this question on the table. The Broncos quarterback situation right now, they have not named a starter. According to their head coach, Vic Fangio, is even Steven between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And the question that we have on the table today is who should be the Broncos week one starting quarterback when they head to the Big Apple to take on the Giants in week one? Uh, Will, I'll throw this over to you to start us off. Yeah, I look, the Broncos is a team that I like since last year. Last year, they had the injury bug and inconsistent play from their quarterback, Drew Locke, last year, right? But um, this is a team that I look at the offensive side of the ball. I look at the defensive side of the ball. 
and I see potential, and that's what draw my attention to this team. It's going to be hard to call because there's so many ifs and buts. You know, if I had to say today, it would be Drew Locke because I actually ranked Drew Locke on my quarterback list. Zach, I know you ranked Teddy Bridgewater. So with that being said, I'm going to have to stay with Drew Locke. But um, it all depends on these various reasons, right? We know what Drew Locke is. He's a guy that can make the explosive plays. He pushes the ball down the field, but with that comes turnovers. We know what Teddy Bridgewater is. This is a guy that's a check down guy. He makes the right reads, makes the safe passes. He doesn't really throw the ball and take a lot of risks. So it's like, what offense do you want to play with the weaponry that you have around your quarterback? Do you want the guy that can push the ball down the field to challenge the likes of Kansas City defenders, to challenge the likes of the Chargers defense? Or do you want a guy that's going to be able to make those throws and not turn the ball over and give Patty Mahomes a half field to score? You know, and that's what makes this quarterback battle the most intriguing. And that's why I think I said this was actually this was my second choice, most intriguing quarterback battle. But now it's my first choice. Because it's just so many ways you can go, right? We saw Drew Locke yesterday. I thought he looked comfortable. I thought that he had a couple passes that was beauty passes, right? That deep pass that he, he threw, you know, it was right on the money. And even though the guy was wide open, he still had to make that throw. But the play calling stood out because they schemed these guys open. When you talk about a design three-level stretch, play action pass that I believe it was KJ Hamlaw. It, it turned into a 35-yard pass play. So if they can scheme guys open and use a lot of play action, then they can work with Drew Locke because I know a lot of people want to talk about Drew Locke, and I got my stats here to back me up. But Drew Locke was actually great in play action last year. He was he had a 112.5 passer rating, and without it, his passer rating was a 64.1%. Locke ranked 23 in play action attempts, which means they wasn't taking enough play action, even though it was working with Drew Locke. So we saw it in those two plays, those two massive plays. Those were play-action passes. The one that I talked about to KJ Hamlaw, that was a, I believe it was an 80-yard pass. That was a play-action pass. So if they utilize play-action more and the play calling is any sign of what we saw on that Saturday going forward, the Broncos have a shot to be a, a threat because it's going to come down to the play calling. You got to make the game easier for your quarterback who you're not sold on. And if Drew Locke works in play-action, Use more play action. You have the weaponry. You have the running game. You have two running backs that are capable of getting you yards along with your wide receivers on the outside that can get you, you know, a slant, get you down the field. I like this Broncos team. I think whoever gives them the best opportunity at quarterback should be the starter. But for me right now, that quarterback has to be Drew Locke. And I'm going to agree with you guys. I do think that Drew Locke should be the guy uh, that should get the quarterback start for Denver in week one just because it was clear to me that watching Saturday's game, like the Broncos offense is just better with him with him under center. The problem is I just don't know how much of a ceiling they have considering who their quarterback options are and who their coaches are. Like everything you said, Will, made sense about Drew Locke. And if they get the proper play calling, like they should win some football games. I totally get it. And for that reason, like I do think Drew Locke does give you the better uh, chance to win opposed to Teddy Bridgewater. I think at this point in his career, we kind of know what Teddy Bridgewater is. He's a guy that as a backup quarterback, he could come in and win you five to six games. He's an elite backup, like especially when in the right situation. We saw that in New Orleans, but we also saw him last year in Carolina. Like that offense was just so bland. 
and he's just not really a guy that can elevate others. Like, it's, it's just a fact. So when it comes to Drew Locke, I do agree that he should be under center for them week one. I just don't trust Pat Shermer, and I don't trust Vic Fangio. I've been down this road too many times. Uh, the Giants got rid of Pat Shermer after two years for a reason. Like, that guy just has the most stale play calling I've ever seen. And even though the Broncos did look really good in week one of the preseason, that Viking team, man, like, talk about a team that didn't come ready to play. My God. I mean, I don't know if COVID has any impact in their locker room, but the more I watch that Vikings team and the more I hear about them, I am not... That is not a team I'm buying stock in. I'll just say that. And Denver deserves credit, like, but it is a preseason game. Like, it, I'll see, we'll see what happens down the line. I just think, considering the division they're in, even if they do get really good quarterback play, I have a tough time thinking they're going to finish over Kansas City, and I have a tough time even that they're going to be thinking uh, finishing over the Chargers because I know the Chargers have a quarterback that can elevate others and make others around him better. Um, and for Denver, like quarterback play and coaching, it's that important. And until I see it with my own two eyes that they're going to get improved versions of that, I have a hard time buying stock in this Bronco team. I really do. I mean, the reason why I'm not going all out and buying stock in the Broncos is not because of what I deemed on, on the football field from the eye test. I think, like I said before, I like this roster. If Drew Locke can get some more consistent play, then they have a shot. The reason why I'm not going all in and buying stock it's simply because when you look around them to the teams that you just mentioned, the Chargers, the Chiefs, also the Raiders, you know? So that's why when we talk about what's the second toughest division in football behind what we know as the NFC West, you can argue AFC East, but I will make the argument for the AFC West. I really would. Both the West side, West side, throw it up, West side. The NFC West and the AFC West, throw it up. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure the West Coast will love this. But I think it's the AFC West because of the Broncos, who I know can shut you down defensively. Look, the Chiefs are great offensively. The Chargers are great offensively. But if you have the right pieces on the defense that can make plays. We saw Patrick Satane with, with that interception reading the route perfectly. He's going to be a star. They have... I believe the best defense in the NFL, I'm going to call it like how I see it. I think they have the best defense in the NFL because of what they have in that secondary and they still have a plausible defensive line. So they can stop people. They can get the ball back. But the biggest question is can they move the ball offensively? And I think they can, but it's the consistency. So I'm not going to go all in and buy a full stop, but I won't be surprised if the Broncos sneak in the playoff. I won't be surprised. I like the AFC West as a whole. We saw what the Raiders did against Kansas City. We all know the Raiders are not scared of Kansas City. We all know the Chargers is not going to be scared of Kansas City. And we all know the Broncos should not be scared of Kansas City because of the weapons that they have on both sides of the ball. And that's why I think the AFC West is so compelling. Well, say this. If the Broncos do have the best defense in football, they should make the playoffs. I mean, the problem is, like... From a town perspective, like, yeah, they look really good. But their defense hasn't been, whether it's been injuries, like Von Miller was banged up last year. Bradley Chubb, like, if those guys are healthy, like, and they have an elite defense, which is very possible, like, yeah, maybe they could sneak into the playoffs. But the problem is, like, I've just bought stock in this team, especially last year. Like, I was on the bandwagon with you. Like, their talent was really good. And, like, Vic Fangio is a good defensive coach. But at the same time, like, their offense and their play calling was just so bad that I remember thinking to my to myself, like, last year, like, I'm done. Like, I'm just not touching this team ever again until they show me something. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think, once again, if this team was in the NFC, like, 
maybe I'd be a little more higher on them. But the fact is, like, the AFC is just loaded. Like, we were just talking about on this show last week how we think there's a good chance three playoff teams are going to come out of the uh, AFC East. We have Cleveland and Baltimore, two teams we're both pretty high on out of the North. Like, the Chargers were high on. The Chiefs, obviously, have made the Super Bowl the last two years. Like, it's a very crowded conference, and I just have a tough time, like, buying stock in a team to make the playoffs when I have seen the last two years, their quarterback play and their coach just haven't been ideal. But we'll see what happens. It's the best part of football season. And uh, at least we're all on the same page about Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Like, if Denver wants any shot to make the playoffs, they need a guy that's going to elevate others. And I'm not saying Drew Locke is going to be that guy, but um, he could be. And I'm, I'll say this once more. Like, if I'm a Bronco fan, I'm sick to my stomach that we passed on Justin Fields. I mean, we spent all show talking about how much of a star this kid could possibly be, he would be a great, great quarterback to have if you're the Denver Broncos. I agree, Sertain's going to be a really good player. It has nothing to do with him. Just quarterback play is that important. And I think the Broncos GM and head coach could have saved their job if they drafted Justin Fields. The Broncos may not be that sick. And like I said, I am a Justin Fields guy. That's the guy I call the best out this draft class. But they might not be that sick because... Zach, maybe overlooking this year, right? And I know you're supposed to be like, all right, we want to win this year. That's the casual fan. Let's make it happen this year. We want it now. I want it now. But at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson might be available. Aaron Rodgers might ask for a trade. And he might ask to go to Denver. I believe there was mutual interest. So they might get their wish. So they went with the best player available in Satane, and they may get a quarterback at some point to help and get that team over the hump. So that's why even though you can sit there and say, all right, Justin Fields was available, you could have had your quarterback of the future right off bat. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, you went with the best player available and certain who you're going to get the value that you drafted him at, at that spot. You're going to get that value. But you still have a chance for Aaron Rodgers. And maybe it's Peyton Manning 2.0 effect where we had a good team. We got Peyton Manning for that year or two years rather. We got a Super Bowl out of one of those years. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is that guy where he got two good years left. We get a Super Bowl out of that year, and that will probably last us for another five, six years till we do get another quarterback. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I, I just think I agree with you, man. I think Fields is going to be a phenomenal talent. I think that it is crazy. Once again, looking back, that this guy made it past pick 10. Like, his intangibles are just very hard to ignore. Um, so I think Bron Denver had a gift fall into their lap that they just didn't take advantage of. We'll see what happens. All right, so another segment in the books here on In the Huddle, always good, uh, talking about our biggest takeaways from the preseason. Once again, felt great to have a full preseason uh, slate of football in action for us to get to talk about. But let's move on to the last segment of today's show. I hinted at it earlier. We have decided to incorporate some fantasy football on the show, on In the Huddle. We know that a lot of people love fantasy football. It is one of the main reasons why the NFL as a league has taken off the way it has. And, Lil, I'm going to throw this over to you, man. You're a big fantasy football guy. Um, talk about this next segment we're going to do and what exactly we're doing. Yeah, so, Zach, I've been getting a lot of feedback. I've been getting a lot of calls from people that listen to the show. And they said, yo, do something for fantasy because we are going to build our teams. We are going to have our drafts in the huddle. Can you dig sports is going to have – we're going to have our own draft of our own as a team and as a collective. And, you know, we want to give people some ideas, some, some um, gems, some sleepers, some talented guys that they should look for. And we just want to be here for the people and give the people what they want. 
which is the facts, you know, and that's exactly how we're going to break it down. We're going to go by each position, um, the important positions that you draft in fantasy football, which is your quarterback, your running back, and your wide receivers, right? And um, this week, we're going to do running backs. We're going to do our top five running backs, and then we're going to move on to either quarterbacks or, or wide receivers Wednesday and Friday, however that pans out. But um, yeah, Zach and Zay, I think I'm just about ready to, to get our list going. So you know what? I guess I'll kick it off here to start us off with my five, and then We'll send it over to whoever wants it. At number five, I'm going to go with a, a guy that may not be in a lot of people's five, but I'm, let me explain. And that's Austin Eckler. This is a guy that's a dual threat guy. And I love those guys that's going to give you reception production and running production. And he's the clear number one guy. He's going to get a lot of reps. He's going to get a lot of touches. He even said it, draft me if you want that production because I'm going to get the ball. When you, take, when you think about the massively improved offensive line of San Diego, they de- definitely look like a different offensive line based on what I'm gathering, based on what Keenan Allen said in the interview. It's a totally different offensive line, which means there's going to be more lanes for this guy to run up. The main thing here is health, you know, and I think that his, his upside is so much that you look past the health and you draft him with a top five pick. I think he has a top five value. And that's why he's number five for me. At number four, I'm going to go with my guy, Alvin Kamara. Listen, they don't have Drew Brees, I know. But that shouldn't make him an even bigger part of that offense. You saw Jameis Winston on Saturday. You saw Taysom Hill on Saturday. They need Alvin Kamara. Now, I know it's going to be different. But I think as a fantasy guy, if you draft Alvin Kamara in your top five, you better hope that Jameis Winston is the quarterback and not Taysom Hill. Because Taysom Hill... Is going to take a lot of production away from Alvin Kamara because Taysom Hill is a guy who's a runner in himself. So he's going to be running for a lot of yards. So that's, you know, even that quarterback. So that's going to take away from Alvin Kamara. And we saw last year, Alvin Kamara was not a factor in that offense when Taysom Hill was the quarterback. So you better hope that Sean Payton come to his senses and don't get blinded by what he thinks he see. And he goes with Jameis Winston at quarterback. And you better hope that Jameis Winston knows how to take the check downs. Take the check downs. They are dead, Jameis Winston. You don't need to go for the biscuit, my brother. If he does that and he takes the check downs, Alvin Kamara is too, he has too much upside. He was one of the top fantasy players last year. We all know what he can do as a receiver. We all know what we can do as a believer in him. And that's damage. I'm going with Alvin Kamara at number four. At number three, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook. And the main reason why I don't have him number one or number two is because of the help, you know. But at the same time, his production is so good. He only missed two games last year and still led the league in um, carries. He led the league in red zone carries. And if you look at the Vikings offense and you know your football, you know Mike Zimmer loves to ground the pound, ground the run the rock, play good defense. That's his style of offense. They utilize a lot of play action. Dalvin Cook is that mean go-to guy in that offense. So that's the guy that you like, all right, yeah, the injury scares me, but I can take a fly on him with a top five pick and get him in my fantasy league if he's available. That's Dalvin Cook as well. The offensive line is something to watch out for, but even with a bad offensive line last year, he still put up the numbers, and that's because that brother is talented. At number two, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. I know what a lot of people are going to think, that getting a guy like Julio Jones is going to – you know, hinder Derrick Henry's production. And you're wrong. Actually, guys cannot crowd the box to guard or to stop, should I say, Derrick Henry 
because they got to worry about Julio Jones and A.J. Brown on the outside, which means Derrick Henry can do exactly what he did last year, which is have a scoring title again in his resume, in his repertoire. And I believe he will be able to do that. Listen, this is a guy that's healthy, and that's one thing I like. I do not like drafting players, and then these players get hurt. That was me with Michael Thomas, even though he's a wide receiver. I thought I won fantasy by getting the fantasy king, and he got hurt. You don't want a guy that's going to be hurt. Derrick Henry has shown me through the last couple of years that he can be very durable, and he can be very productive, and that's why he's number two on my list. And number one, I'm going to go with the fantasy king before he got hurt last year, and that's Christian McCaffrey. This is a guy that I believe receptions, receiving yards, rushes, is going to be there. Now, I know he has a new quarterback, Sam Donald, but he's going to be able to use Christian McCaffrey as a safety blanket. And if he's healthy, bro, he's going to be productive no matter what. So that's the guy that I would go with with the number one pick. The offensive line is going to be suspect a little bit over there, but he's still a productive guy. You get the ball in his hands, he makes plays. That's my guy, number one, Christian McCaffrey. So to recap my top five, I'm going to go with the one and only um, Elson Eckler at number five. I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara at number four. I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, number three. Derrick Henry, number two. And number one, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll take it over from here. Very good list. I think one thing that we could, or I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but at least I think, like, I think there's a clear top four. Um, and then after that top four, like yeah. that fifth guy, you, you could go with really anyone. Um, but it's very interesting to see, like, how we separate that top four and what order we put them in. Um, at number five, I'm going to go with a guy whose ceiling may not be as high as some of the other running backs in his position. And I know he just got paid, so that could be a concern, a concern for some people. But I just think when you say the words Nick Chubb, I think consistency. And I know a guy that is going to be playing behind the best offensive line in football in Cleveland. And it's crazy because we've had our concerns about Nick Chubb in the past. Like, Kareem Hunt, like, is he going to take his carries? Like, no. Like, Nick Chubb is a guy that is a given for, like, 15, 20 yards a game. And I just think he's that good, man. Like, this is a guy who Cleveland drafted, and that has turned out to be such a great draft pick, getting a guy this good in the second round and putting him in a position to succeed with that offensive line and really committing to him as your every down back. I'm a huge Nick Chubb fan. I think he's one of the more underrated, not only running backs, but players in football. Uh, I'm going to have Nick Chubb at number five for me. At number four, this is where things start to get really complicated. Once again, I think there's a clear top four. You could really rank them in any order. I'm going to go Dalvin Cook at number four. Uh, as great as this guy is, I have a hard time buying any stock in the Vikings right now. Like, I'm telling you, their offensive line is super banged up. There's a lot of question marks there. I don't necessarily love Mike Zimmer as a head coach, considering what he's done, especially on the offensive side of the ball the last couple of years. Kirk Cousins, maybe COVID. Maybe the, we know COVID is going to affect one team in the locker room. Maybe this is it. Dalvin has had a tough time staying healthy. He's obviously still an elite talent, uh, but I'm going to have him at number four uh, for that reason. Now, let's get a little crazy here. At number three, I'm actually going to go with Christian McCaffrey, and Lil kind of hinted at it. It's just hard for me to take a guy number one overall when he's coming off major surgery and i understand like McCaffrey's a really good player notice that saquon barkley isn't yeah, we'll see what zay has but lil and i do not have saquon barkley in our top five kind of for that same reason he's coming off a major acl surgery and i know McCaffrey went on the field he's always been super dynamic i just fear running backs getting a little banged up and maybe losing like 
a, a second or two based off that elite speed. And look, you know, Christian McCaffrey, like, that's going to make the Panthers' offense better. But I think maybe they concentrate more on their receivers with DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson. I think Sam could sling it a little bit more in Carolina than he usually does. For that reason, I'll have C-Mac at number three. At number two, I will have the same guy Will had at number two, uh, Derrick Henry. I agree. I think adding Julio Jones is only going to make it tougher to stop him. And this guy, like, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Like, I've not seen many running backs put together back-to-back -to -back seasons to the level that this guy has. And that's why I don't have him number one. Like, I just think it's going to be super, super hard. Like, as good as this guy is, but it's just hard for me to expect him to put up the same amount of production that he has the last two years and like no offense to him like he's a freak of nature he is a consensus top two or three running back in the league there's no doubt um but I do think that he's just gonna have a little 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 bit of a reduction compared to his past numbers but hey he's still Derrick Henry he still is gonna be an elite running back playing in an offense that should up a lot of uh, should put up a lot of points so at number one I'm gonna have the guy who I think he's going to be the best running back in football this year, and that's going to be Alvin Kamara of the Saints. Look, I understand, like, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, whoever's playing quarterback, there's going to be some confusion there. But the fact that Michael Thomas is out, the Saints have one guy that is going to get just a crazy, crazy amount of production, no matter who's playing quarterback. Alvin can catch the ball. He's super dynamic. And this is just a guy that ever since he's came into the league, he's always been able to put up numbers, and he's one of my favorite players in football. Um, one thing about the Saints is, like, a lot of people aren't too high on them considering the amount of talent they've lost, and I understand that. But one thing that is good if you're a Saints fan is that elite offensive line from last year is still intact. Um, and I think Kamara could really benefit from that. I really do. Uh, he is my number one fantasy running back for the upcoming season. So to recap my list, I'm going to have Nick Chubb from the Browns at number five, Dalvin Cook from the Vikes at number four, C-Mac from the Panthers at number three, the King, Derrick Henry from the Titans at number two, Alvin Kamara at number one. Zay, I'll throw it over to you. First, I want to commend y'all both y'all lists. Y'all both had two amazing lists, and I feel like whoever follows those lists will definitely win this year's fantasy football. My list is going to be a little crazy, so I hope you guys are listening and hang on to the ride. So for number five, I actually have a guy coming out of college who just scored 50 touchdowns last two seasons, and that's Najee Harris. I think there's a guy who uh, could actually benefit off the Steelers team. He, um, Big Ben's getting old, and he's a young guy who's very talented, a guy who can run the ball, and a guy who's very electrifying on the field. I think a guy like Najee Harris could definitely benefit on that Pittsburgh Steelers team. Um, I remember uh, when uh, James Conner first took over for Le'Veon Bell, he had about a thousand yards and that was when he was fresh on field. After that, he didn't really produce as much. He didn't get as many touches, but I think Najee Harris could get a lot of touches on his Pittsburgh Steelers team and under that Mike Tomlin pass heavy offense. At number four, I actually have Derrick Henry. I feel like Derrick Henry, he is usually a top three, top two kind of pick for anybody. But I feel like um, with the addition to Julio Jones, and I feel like, oh, I, I think, I believe that head coaches are start becoming a little bit more pass heavy on that team because more receivers will possibly be open with Julio Jones on that field. I think that um, Derrick Henry still going to get his touches, still going to eclipse a little bit over a thousand yards. Um, but I think when you have a guy like Julio Jones on the field, that opens up the floor a lot more because your attention is mainly on Julio Jones on a defensive side. So it may be uh, giving more opportunities for deep passes to other receivers and get them a big payday and big yards for this season. For number three, I actually put Saquon Barkley. I think Sa yeah, um, Zach alluded to is like Saquon's coming out of a, um, a major injury, but I feel like he's a power, uh, a heavy 
workload running back that the Giants are going to utilize heavy this season. I think he's a guy who um, enhances everybody's play on the field when he's on that on that New York Giants offense. And I think he's a guy who's going to kind of pick up where he left off and continue that kind of work heavy um, uh, work heavy efficiency that he does on that, on that field. I think they have a lot of carries this season. I think he might even have another a breakout season from his rookie season as well. I think this is going to be a really interesting year for Saquon Barkley. At number two, I got Dalvin Cook. You know, without said, Dalvin Cook is an amazing running back. He is the Vikings' offense. You know, <laughs> this guy, this guy is the face of Minnesota. If um, you know, other people say Kirk Cousins, but I'm not going to touch base on that right now. That'll be another segment for another show. But I do. Dalvin Cook is a guy who does it all. And you know, when he's on the field, you see the difference of what what, what kind of difference he is on a Vikings team and what kind of difference it makes for the Vikings itself. At number one, a lot of people going to turn heads. They're going to question me. But I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, this guy is a guy who gives you a thousand yards, gives you a thousand um, receiving yards. Uh, this is a, he literally is the Panthers' offense, and I understand what Zach said again: injuries. You know, they had they both um, both him and Barkley came off major injuries, and those are big question marks. Those um, and hopefully those will get answered at this season. I think their production is going to be above and beyond their injuries. Um, two big um, points: I left Alvin Kamara off because of what I said. They lost a lot of talent on that offense. And I don't know if Kamara is going to be able to pick up all that, all everything, all the pressure that's going to be on him this season to produce. Is he's um, every defense knows Alvin Kamara is going to be the go-to guy, whether it's receiving or rushing. So they're going to kind of try to eliminate him out of every play possible. And I don't know if he's going to be that produ- producive guy that um, that we've accustomed to seeing in, in previous seasons. I I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to live up to that. Uh, to that standard that we all expecting him to produce at. And so my list was Najee Harris at number five, Derrick Henry at number four, Saquon at number three, Dalvin Cook at number two, and Christian, get me some yards, McCaffrey at number one. I got a few things I want to say. A few, a few bones I want to pick. Um, one bone more than the other. I'm going to start with the lesser bone that I want to pick, which is Zach's, which I don't think is a, a terrible pick, but I just question it a bit. And that's who's at number five. Listen, I know Nick Chubb is probably the most underrated back in the league. I get it. He's still going to be productive next year. But as a fantasy manager, me looking at the reps that's going to be taken away by throwing a guy like a Kareem Hunt in there too, a two running back system. Granted, he's still going to get his yards. But I want my running back to get all the reps, get all the production, you know. And I think it's going to be slightly taken away from him when you got a guy like Kareem Hunt as well as going to be getting those touches in the game who probably going to want more touches as well. So I think that, you know, that kind of affects why I didn't put him in my top five. But I do have him top seven, eight value, you know, around that predicament right there. But when, um, Zay, the biggest one I had to pick with you was Najee Harris. I don't know what offensive line he's going to be able to run that rock on, you know, because that offensive line with the Steelers is not great at all, you know, and it showed last year. And I just think that, you know, he's a rookie. They know he's going to get the ball. They don't have the offensive line to really open up them lanes. So that's going to be a lot of him trying to create, get on the outside, make some double moves. And I don't know that's going to be his productive ceiling. So I cannot put him in the top five, not even in the top ten in my opinion. One of the best things about the football season, one of the main reasons why the NFL has really taken off and has become one of the, uh, the premier leagues in the whole world ever 
it's because of fantasy football and the impact that it's had. But we spent the last segment giving our top five running backs. Um, and we didn't, that's not all we wanted to do because it's one thing to talk about the five best running backs and who we think is going to be the best. But in my opinion, sometimes the determining factor to win yourself a fantasy football league is finding that guy late, is finding the guy in not even like the last round, but like the fifth, the sixth round, the seventh round, the guy that not a lot of people think could become a star, but becomes a star. And all of a sudden you look and this guy is the reason that you just won your fantasy football league. So without further ado, the question that we're going to have on the table to end this show is who are some running backs that could break out this year and be that main reason why you win your fantasy league? And I'm actually going to start this one off. And it's funny because it was actually a guy on Zay's list who I was not ballsy enough to put on my list, but I actually think he's going to have a good season. And that's actually Najee Harris. I think that all of the things Will brought up regarding the Steelers' offensive line are totally valid. I think they are one of the five worst offensive lines in football. I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a tough time throwing behind that offensive line. But I do think at the same time, the Steelers literally didn't have a running game last year. Like, it, like it was non-existent. Like, Big Ben was out here throwing, like, 50 to 60 times a game. It was crazy. And I think that lack of balance is ultimately uh, one of the reasons why the Steelers were so bad. But I think this Najee Harris kid... He's too good. Like, he's too talented. I think he's going to be able to not have, you know, I don't think he's going to be a top five guy. I don't think he's going to be a, a, the best running back in fantasy football. But I do think he could be a guy that is better than most people expect. And there are going to be a lot of people that agree with Lil, I'm sure, that are just going to stay away from this guy because the Steelers' offensive line is that bad. But with that being said, I do think the Steelers' offense is going to be able to put up some points, not a lot, but some I think they'll be somewhere between like the 16th to 20th ranked offense in football. And I watched this kid at Alabama and he was a guy that just stuck out. His talent was just so good. It was just so, it was hard to ignore. And I do think the fact that over the last couple of years, like James Conner was a great story, but he ran out of gas really quickly. He ultimately proved why, like he was a fourth round running back coming out of pit. Same thing with the kid, uh, Jalen Samuels and McFarland. Like the Steelers literally have not been able to run the ball over the last couple of years. And you give them, this weapon from Alabama, I think he's going to be able to make an impact. I really do. One guy that I that comes to mind, I'm going to give you two guys, right? And the first guy that comes to mind is Jonathan Taylor. This is the guy that had the third most yards last year behind Cook and Henry. The Colts, we all know, have a great, great offensive line. And those lanes are going to open up. He's a downhill runner of the football. And when you think about the uncertainty at quarterback, Carson Wentz, when is he going to be back? Even when Carson Wentz is back, he's still going to be productive. But if he's not there for the first couple of weeks, he has to be that go-to guy. If you have a guy like Sam Ellinger out there or um, Isom out there, he's going to be the guy that's going to get those yards and production with that offensive line protection that they do have over there, coached by Frank Wright. Another guy that comes to my mind is Ezekiel Elliott. Watch out for Ezekiel Elliott. This is a guy that the last couple of years wasn't as productive as his first couple you know and i think last year we have to take in consideration the decimated offensive line of the cowboys the fact that we saw ezekiel elliott just automatically out of nowhere have a fumbling problem normally guys have a fumbling problem coming into the league not when they third fourth year in the league they don't they have that fumbling problem so i think that was a little bit uncharacteristic i don't think it's something that's going to follow him this year i think that the cowboys offense to me works works better when Ezekiel Elliott is running the football. The brother is hungry. You see him, feed me, feed me. 
feed the brother, let him get his touches, let him get at least 20 plus, 20 to 25 plus touches a game, because I think that makes the offense open up for Dak Prescott, and they better off that way. And one more guy, I'm sorry here, one more guy I just want to throw in there, keep it short, Antonio Gibson. This is a guy that's going to have a, a opportunity with the with the Redskins or Washington football team, rather, with Ryan Fitzpatrick to be able to be productive as he was last year, even more productive this year. Um, I actually want to go with uh, Austin Eckler. I think the reason why I want to go with Austin Eckler because this is a guy who, outside of the running game, he actually is a guy in his career who, um, besides last season, averaged 10 yards a catch on the, on the offensive side. This is a guy who is a really good receiving running back. And um, I think if he mixes in a running game, um, this season, it'll, it'll just be, I think he's a, he's a, a candidate for getting a thousand yard rushing, thousand yard catch, uh, receiving yard season. Um, this is a guy who only played 10 games last season, but I feel like if he would have played 16, uh, 17, or well, Colts now 17 this year, if he would have played 16 games last year, um, he could have touched a thousand rushing yards. Um, he was like on that, it was on that mark. Yeah, I think he was around 530, 540, and at the 10 game mark, he, you know, he was potential to getting another 500 yards in another six, seven games. Um, this is a guy who, um, He's on a, a very young Chargers team now with a, with a uh, young Chargers quarterback who likes to throw the ball and their offense is really is really fast. Um, this is a guy who they have a lot of weapons on that team. They they move, know how to move the chains in a very rapid pace. So this is a team that Austin Eckler could thrive in and he could also push the tempo from the rushing game. So now defenses have a lot to worry about and they, they'll be on their heels from the first uh, minute of the quarter to the last minute of the fourth. So I think he's a guy who's he could be a big difference maker on your fantasy team because of his dual threat kind of play. Another guy I actually wanted to look at was a guy like Aaron Jones. You know, with um, Aaron Rodgers coming back, um, you have to look to see how his production will be on this team because um, Rodgers is a big threat and he got his favorite um, receiver out there as well. But Jones can actually have more opportunities for more yards per carry. And um, because so many defenses will be focused on Aaron Rodgers' arm, because so many defenses will be focused on Aaron Rodgers' receivers and where they're running on the field. So uh, there's a lot of intangibles in that on uh, Green Bay team. I think Aaron Jones could be a, a guy who you get a lot of production from this season. Um, those kind of two picks. I actually wanted to comment on Ezekiel Elliott really, really fast because I was having a conversation with a few friends of mine about Ezekiel Elliott, and they were saying the same thing. Fumble Ruski, a guy who fumbled the ball a lot last season. But another guy who fumbled the ball a lot last season, too, was Derrick Henry. He had like five to six fumbles last year, but no one like mentions it because he had 2,000 yards rushing. So, of course, that oversees anything, any kind of fumbles he does. But I want to look at how, like, Ezekiel Elliott throughout his career, like, he, he has gotten less and less touches every season since his rookie year. He hasn't received the same amount of um, rushes, rushing attempts as his rookie season, which is, like, um, it's a question mark because you paid this guy all this money, but now you're giving him the ball less and less as the seasons go on. I don't know if that's a, a, a reason to even talk, uh, to say, like, yeah, that's probably his, his confidence is low. He's not getting as many touches. They're losing confidence in him and that's why they're not giving him the ball as much and maybe that's why he's fumbling because his confidence is not as high as it was when he first came in the league but like you said it's very uncharacteristic and I feel like he comes into this season can have a very strong season that, that's a good point that you brought up and, and Zach I'm gonna let you get in here to respond that's a good point because like I said before the Cowboys I believe their offense was more lethal when it ran through Zeke as up to Dak you know and I feel like I don't think it's they lost confidence in Zeke. I think it's more of the league is trending towards the passing. We got CeeDee Lamb that fell in our lap. We got three wide receivers. We need to be this passing offense to put up 30, you know, five points a game. But we all know that doesn't equate the wins. That does not. 
they worked better when Ezekiel Elliott was pounding the rock and keeping the opposing quarterbacks on that bench to not put up them points to combat your 30 and drop 40 on you. You know, so they have to be able to get him the ball. I just think that he is poised for uh, another season where we say, all right, yeah, that was the Zeke we knew. They said he's in the best shape in his life. He needs to be this season. Yeah, I think what makes that so interesting is the comment Will made, like, regarding the wins and, like, how important Ezekiel Elliott is to this Cowboy team. Like, I agree 100%. Like, when he's running and he's when he's in full form, like, the Cowboys are 100%, like, a much tougher team to beat. Their offensive line isn't as elite as it once was, but it's still one of the better offensive lines in the league. I think the question for me is, like, we know running backs out of any position in the league, like, when they get bad, sometimes they get bad really quickly. Like, we saw what happened with Todd Gurley. Like, two or three years ago, this guy was a consensus top two back in the league, and now he's not even on a team. I think Dallas's main concern here is, like, did we just pay a guy who's just all of a sudden getting worse and worse? And last year, I agree, like, there were many games that his fumbles, like, kind of cost them, like, indirectly. I remember they had a Monday night game against Arizona last year. Huge game. It, at the time, Dallas wins. They're still right in the playoff contention. And this guy has two fumbles in the first quarter. Arizona takes advantage both times. And, you know, they, they went that. I'm watching Hard Knocks, and it's hard to put a lot of stock into Hard Knocks, but he looked pretty good in the first episode. Like, like obviously, I just think, if Dallas wants to give him the ball and if he wants to become the player that he once was, sure, he's going to be a great pick. It's going to be a great value pick. I'm just not confident in it considering, like, I, I kind of agree with Zay. Like, the last couple years, this guy has been trending downward and downward and downward. And considering he already got the contract, considering how he handled the holdout, like, I don't know. The Cowboys are another team that has great offensive talent. And on paper, yes, he should be a great running back. Like, they should put up a bunch of points. I just, that's another team where I just don't trust Mike McCarthy. I don't know. I, 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 but think about hard. it. Think about it like this. You have a quarterback with a shoulder injury. You have a quarterback that's, that, that just came off of a torn Achilles. Do you want to have your quarterback throwing 35 times a game? Well, well like, great. Here's the question, though. Are you, like, where are you taking Ezekiel Elliott? Like, is this a guy you feel comfortable if you have the 10th or 11th pick in your draft? Like, do you want to take him yeah, in the first if, round? If, he, if he's there in the 10th or 11th pick, I would, I would heavily consider taking Ezekiel Elliott. It would all depend, Zach, on who's available. I would have to see the, the names that's left, but that's a guy off the top of my head that I would take around that because, you know, that Prescott still has that shoulder injury, and he's probably not going to play, play in the preseason, which means a recipe to wonder football early and get Ezekiel going early, you know? So who knows? That Prescott is not even 100%, you know, knock on wood here to stay healthy for a whole entire season. So they may need Ezekiel Elliott at various points throughout the season. Absolutely. One quick point I want to make on the running back position uh, as a whole, and then if anyone has anything else to say, we'll get out of here. But I actually think that when I look at my draft strategy, right, especially if we're if you're playing in a PPR league, like you're going to have your running backs that Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, that like you're going to want to take. But for me, I'm usually a guy that tends to wait on the running backs. I know a guy I'm interested in that Will had on um, his breakout list last week was Damian Harris. I think he could be a guy that if you target like sixth or seventh round and you target like elite pass catchers if there's some pass catchers or a quarterback that you think 100 percent sure is going to be really good and you want to wait on a running back that would be fine with me i think that when you look at running back like yeah there's going to be a guy like christian mccaffrey or a guy like derrick henry last year that literally would have these ridiculous weeks out of nowhere but there is some injury risk when it comes to taking a running back high and i don't know it's just usually a fantasy strategy of mine i don't usually love to take running back super early as crazy as that sounds i call it the rb zero strategy 
I yeah. think I don't know. I mean, I personally like I said like I, I just I look at Saquon Barkley. I just I think like it's just like a thing. Like I just think that he's gonna be reactivated into that Giants offense, and they're just gonna push him down. They they're gonna they, I, it's more of they're going to put him in situations where he has to produce, and not more of him gonna just kind of go out there and just get 10, 12 yards of carry and stuff like that. It's just like, he's gonna be put into that system where okay, we need you to do this, and they're gonna put him in situations where he has to do it, and he's gonna produce it. I don't think he's gonna shy away from that moment per se, or like hinder himself to where he's not producing the numbers he produced prior. But I think the Giants' offense is so stagnant without him that when he put him back in the game, he's the, the coach that put plays for him to produce and like to kind of forcefully kind of get him to where he was at one point. If that makes any sense, I, I'm I'm a little bit on the on the edge with Saquon, and I can see the value in having a guy like Saquon in your roster. Nobody's going to deny that. Um, if he's there in the top ten, maybe you take a fly on him for sure. You know, because we know what he can do. But at the same time, I look at actions, and what the Giants' actions showed me this offseason was not they're going to run the football. It was more Daniel Jones. We giving you weapons. Do something with that ball. That's what the action showed me with the Giants, especially with that offensive line. When you take that in consideration, they said, you know what? We want to give weapons. They've got about five, six wide receivers, man. I mean, that doesn't spell running the rock to me. That spells passing the football. And when you got a guy that's coming off an injury as well, you know, I don't see how he gets those touches right off the bat. Yeah, I agree 100%. I would actually put Saquon in a kind of a similar category uh, to, to Elliott. Like, if you want to draft these guys, fine, but just know like you're going to spend like a first or second round pick on them. And I don't love having that amount of risk going into a guy that I'm taking that high. And when you look at Saquon and Zeke Elliott on paper, like they're very talented running backs, but I think there's more that goes into this. And once again, like I said it with McCaffrey, like coming a guy off, first of all, it's not even 100% that Saquon's going to be ready for week one. Like that's a, a concern. And like coming off a, a major ACL injury, like it's hard. So those are two guys that when you look at polarizing, who are going to be guys that uh, people's opinion differ on the most, I definitely think those two will be at the top of the list. And Saquon too, bro. I mean, I like Saquon. He's electric to watch, but he be doing too much a lot. Trying to hurt all the guys. I mean, just the, the turk that he put on his legs. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't you want him to be careful. Cause I know maybe you can say the offensive line is not great. That's why he has to do that. But at the end of the day, I think he just does too much for a running back that can lead to injuries, the way that how he moves, you know, and that could be a problem. New York bread, man. You know, we try to show put on a show no matter where we are. <laughs> this ain't the circus, my brother. This is football. <laughs> that is very true. Um, what are what are your thoughts on a guy like Joe Mixon? A guy on a team that like the Bengals who um Got a lot of worries, like you said, on the offensive line. Is they they are worried about the offensive line. Um, Joe Burrow actually mainly is kind of worried about the offensive line. And like, how, how do you think that Joe Mixon kind of plays out this year, like for fantasy people, or even just in general? Uh, like, he's not a guy that I'm like rushing to the window to draft. Once again, like he's probably going to be a guy that's going to go in like the first two or three rounds. And like, he's a good player. He's consistent, puts up good numbers. But like, I just think there are better pass catchers to draft. Like, I think when you look at drafting running backs once again like if you want to take a McCaffrey or Henry if you have a high pick fine but it is hard to find that breakout running back I think they're better wide receivers and for me especially when you're playing in a PPR league I'd be down to just target the elite pass catchers of the world and maybe an elite quarterback and just get all your points from that and then wait for running backs who are just going to put up like you know a consistent 10 to 12 points I don't think you need like your running backs to just go off for like 20 points a week and if you're taking one in the first second or third round then that is what your expectation should be 
But like when you look at a guy like Joe Mixon, if we're going to sit here and say, oh, like give our concerns about the Steelers offensive line and Najee Harris, like I have the same concerns about the Bengals. They have one of the worst offensive lines in football. Um, and like Mixon's a fine player. But once again, like I'm not really rushing to the window to draft any running back early in particular. I do like Antonio Gibson, though. That was a good pick by Will. I think he could be a, a good guy that I would target there. Um, he was on my team last year. Had a great season. Um, but he pa- passes catches as well. Like It really comes exactly. down to how comfortable uh, you are in the situation. Um, with the Joe Mixon pick, shout out to my cousin when he did his fantasy in reality. I think in reality, when you watch him, you know he has he's the top he's the top fifteen back in the league in real life. You know, in the real life world, but in the fantasy world, I do agree with Zach. I just think that they're going to be more of a passing team with Joe Burrow with the weapons that they got him. So I wouldn't take a fly on him in the first you know round for sure, definitely not in the first round. But um, one guy that I I want to mention here just to mention him. I kind of made the mistake of drafting him early, way too early last year, which was J.K. Dobbins. And even though he should be more productive than he was last year as a rookie, you know the Ravens are running back by committee. And that's something that you don't want to have as a manager. You want all – you like you like the running back in real life. As a running back in real life, you want all the touches you can get, right? You don't want to share touches. And as a fantasy manager, you don't want your running back to share touches either. And I just look at what Gus Edwards and Justice Hill and, you know, they just going to be running back by committee, which can take away some of that production from J.K. Dobbins. That's actually one of the other reasons I didn't mention why, like, Najee Harris, I think, is going to be pretty solid is because Mike Tomlin is actually one of the few coaches in the league that does still believe in just having that one do-it-all running back, bell cow. The Steelers don't really have any threats to him. So Najee's definitely going to get a lot of value. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing. that That's why... I'm in the middle from where I started before because, yeah, I'm not a fan of that offensive line, but the volume, you know, the, the opportunities, the touches, the reps is definitely going in um, Najee Harris' favor. So he has that advantage. That's why with these these picks, y'all, and I'm going to just end here, you have to look at a variety of things. You know, the reps that these players are going to get, the, the, the durability comes into play as well. The production is going to come into play as well. So as a fantasy manager, you have to sit there and have a conversation about how much stock I'm putting into each category and who checks all the boxes or one of the boxes if they do. Well, boys, looks like another episode in the books. Always great talking football with you guys. Focusing a whole episode today just on football. Can't even remember the last time we did that here on In the Huddle. But once again, as I started this show, it's just another warning in the air that football is coming sooner rather than later. I smell it. I smell it. And Zach, if you want, you know, we could give the people a hint for Wednesday. Maybe we roll out the wide receivers. Maybe we roll out the wide receivers on Wednesday show, y'all. One thing I know for sure, we are going to have plenty of football content on the show, and we cannot wait to talk about it with you guys. So, once again, boys, hope you have a great day. I'm Zach Crawl, along with my guys, The Real Will, Isaiah Bermuse. You are listening to In the Huddle on Canyon Dick Sports Radio. Everyone have a good one.